two, three. Welcome back, Holy Messes, to another episode of A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess, Father Paul. I may or may not have already done an intro to this episode. I don't know because I record them separately, but here we are. I do know this for sure. Uh, while you listen to this episode, I am either going to be on a – because I think this episode is going to come out next week. I will be on a plane to the Holy Land, going to the Holy wow. Land, or I will be arriving there. That's right. So I'm trying to interview a bunch of guests all this week, the week before, I don't even know what today's date is. I think it's the, uh, the August 29th. I had an interview last night, and I have two tonight. And I'm very blessed and honored to have JM with me, John Kramer. Is that correct? Did I say your That's name? That's correct. John, well, I love the name Kramer. I love it, obviously, duh, because it's Seinfeld, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I love it. Do, do you happen, are you a fan of that show, or are you just like sick and tired of, uh, of hearing about it? I kind of on the latter, uh, Kind of during that time, I kept getting called that all the time, all the time. So yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Uh, so listen, uh, I, uh, we, you and I, I, we don't know each other, but we were connected through a mutual friend, uh, Mr. Catholic Comedy, Stephen Garone. All right. I believe that's how we were connected. Yes. Uh, he uh, knew about my podcast and is, I'm going to say he's a fan of my podcast. I don't know. I hope he is. Um, and he's been on, and he thought that you would be a, a, a good guest. So he connected us maybe two, three months ago. And I think I said something like, sure, but I have like, I'm really backed up right now. And, uh, and here we are. So thank you for your patience. Oh, no uh, problem. And I'm glad that you are here right now. So, uh, it, so am I going to be calling you JM? Should I call you JM? Yeah, you can just call me JM. Keep JM? things simple. Not, just not Kramer, as long as it's not Kramer. Yeah, exactly. All right. Cool, man. <laughs> So listen, we're going to talk about a, a bunch of different, a uh, bunch of different things. But one of the things uh, that's very interesting uh, for sure is that you have this ministry. I mean, I'll let you explain it, but <clears throat> I mean, I know it's a more than just about Legos. So, uh, but you are somebody on your Twitter page. It says that you are a uh, uh, a disability, uh, a dis disabled advocate. Is am I saying that right? Disability advocate. Disability advocate. Okay, and and you also, what is the name of your ministry with the Legos? It is called the Lego Church Project. The Lego Church Project. Okay, so let's break those down one by one. Um, why are you a disability advocate? You go, and then I'll ask questions in between. Well, I've got a malformer cerebral palsy. So above all else, I'm showing that no matter what challenge or disability you face, God can steal your talents. And I believe that I have a voice that can be used to educate people, to bring light to certain issues that may be often overlooked in our current society and in the church itself. Uh, I've had a chance to talk to numer on numerous platforms over the years, and I believe that uh, I'm trying to bring a positive message to those around me. Can may I ask you how long? Uh, and forgive me for my ignorance. I don't know how this all works. Is that something that you're born with? Is it something that came later in life? I was born with it. All right. So you and, were born with cerebral palsy. Now you said something right before that. Is it is like a certain form? Are there different forms? 
Well, it's it's mild in the fact that oh, I mild. Don't, okay, that's the word. I don't present. I don't present a lot of the main symptoms. There are some people that have it more severe than me. Uh, primarily for me, my, the, the main issues are the balance issues that I have, my mobility. Okay. Uh, I'm not exactly uh, stable on my feet. Sure. Uh, so, so walking great distances is a bit of a challenge, and at that point I start running into problems. And I've also got a, a lot of other neurological uh, issues that may or may not be connected to it. A lot of unknowns. When you get into these kinds of issues, you don't always know what you're contending with. And this has been something that you've been doing with your whole life, as you just said. Yeah. Um, you don't have to reveal your age, but uh, can you tell me what year you were born so then I could discuss it? No. <laughs> Actually, you know what, though? That's just it. I'm fairly open. I'm 46. Okay, 46. I'm fairly, I'm fairly open about – I mean, it's – the social media is kind of a reflection of how I actually am. Uh, what you what you see on the platform is very close to how I am actually in, in real life. Uh, well, no, that, that that's what I was interested in about you because you had sent me a link to an interview that you did with um, somebody else in, in broadcast media, and it was it was a short interview, and it left me wanting more, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. I wanted to know more about you. Um, and that one uh, talked about your ministry, but in that uh, of of the Lego church building. But you also spoke about how you are a, an advocate for people with disabilities, you yourself having uh, cerebral palsy, as you, as you just said. So is this something that like you struggled with a lot growing up? Was it, was it really tough? You know, it, it, I'm not sure what avenue to go with this, but like, has your faith been a part of your life since you were a kid? Or is it something that came later uh, because of um, this disability that you have? I grew up in the faith. My parents were very active in the church, and to a degree, they still are. Uh, and when growing up, I, I grew up in a time when faith was very important to who we were. I lived a couple blocks, well, about probably less than a block from the church. We lived in the original parish rectory for uh, what became known as uh, Christ the Good Shepherd. <laughs> and so we'd walk over to church every day, uh, every Sunday or depending on else, what else was going on at the time. So the church was always the foundation, and growing up with the challenges that I had here and there with the learning difficulties, the uh, social interaction problems, uh, that was just part of life. I wouldn't necessarily say that I struggled per se. I certainly had moments of difficulty, but overall, I would say thanks to the wisdom of my parents, I did pretty good for myself. Are you, uh, did you have any siblings? Are you only child? I've got one brother who lives in the uh, DC region. Okay. Got older or younger? Younger. Okay. All right. Cool, man. So you grew up in the faith. Um, was it tough for you in the sense of, cause you know, let's just be honest, man. I mean, kids could be brutal. You know what I mean? Oh, kids were brutal. You know, <laughs> Te I mean, teasing, I teasing mercilessly. It's like if there was someone that is not like them, you became a target. You learned about bullying from a very young age and you learned how to deal with it uh, as best as you can. And then as you got older, it became less and less of an issue to a degree, either because you matured or it just simply no longer bothered you. So, and plus you, if, when you have a lot of supports, that kind of makes the difference when you've got people you can turn to. Uh, and that's always a benefit 
for someone in my in my particular shoes, having people that are willing to help you, willing to support you, and willing to to show you that compassion. Yeah, I mean, because, and I think that's what people want to hear. You know, if somebody hears, okay, you know, this person, you know, had this growing up, you know, they they must have been picked on in some way, as you're confirming right now. And, and you're just a kid, right? So as you said, you weren't growing up yet. You know, we, we get older, we get more mature. But how did you deal with that? Did you, you said you had a good support system. Was your faith a part of you dealing with that in the terms of like not caring so much what, what the other kids thought, but, but more of like, you know, what your family and what God thought of you? Or did you really just honestly struggle with it? Yeah, I think there are always times when a kid struggles with what's going on around him, but at the same time, when you've got parents who are very loving and very concerned for your well-being, uh, it makes those struggles worthwhile. Uh, that's certainly in the case for me. The the faith was, as I said, and growing up was the cornerstone of who we were. We went to church uh, on every every Sunday. We took part in events within the church. I was an altar server for a good number of years. Uh, and eventually also got into a little bit of the music ministry as well as a choir member. Uh, in fact, I'm currently a choir member at the very church I grew up in. <laughs> oh. They're in the same area that you grew up in. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, when I moved, when I moved back, see what happened was, is I moved from Saginaw back in 97. And then I came back about seven and a half years later. And then over the course of the next couple of years, eventually started going back to church in my home parish, the parish I grew up in. So, uh, which is Christ the Good Shepherd. And uh, within the last seven or eight years, I've been part of the choir, uh, which has been a lot of fun for me. And it's also a good way to uh, make to make connections, uh, especially since I don't drive. <laughs> uh, and has that been a, have you always n not been able to drive? That's been only within the last 15 years or so. I, I was able to get my license at 18, but a combination of, of cost of the vehicles and uh, some of those neurological issues I was telling you about uh, kind of uh, flared up to a degree which made driving no longer safe for me. So I have to rely on others to get to where I need to go. Uh, and one of the issues I do talk about quite frequently is the issue of transportation in the church. Uh, unless you've got proper contacts, it is very difficult to secure a ride in many cases. Now, I am fortunate that I do, for 99% of the time, have a ride to Mass in some form or another. But I know that there are others out there who are not as fortunate, and it's an issue that is often overlooked. And one of the top issues that I've talked about, I was on another Catholic radio program uh, about a year ago, and that issue came up. And then he was talking with another group of people, and my name came up because it's the issue I talk about so much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I remember I, I was at a parish, you know, I've been at many parishes, so nobody will know which one I'm talking about. Uh, but I was at a parish where they, want, they wanted to start this, this ministry of being able to transport people, um, you know, just parishioner from, to parishioner or maybe a staff member to bring people that weren't able to drive themselves to, to church, which seemed like a great, beautiful, charitable thing. But I was surprised that like, it also became like this like liability thing and like a possibility of like accidents and insurance. And I mean, I, that was all like news to me. I was like, what? Like you just want to like pick people up to get to church. I don't, I don't ever know what came from it. I, I don't know. I had a great uh, pastor, so I'm sure he dealt with it in a, in a great way. And um, 
you know, and, and it, they resolved that. But uh, I, I do remember myself uh, when I first got there to this parish, I did a couple um, sick calls uh, to a gentleman who was not able to drive. And, um, you know, uh, so let me ask you, so you're, what's the proper PC term? Is it somebody with a disability? I don't want to say anything wrong. Uh, I think I think part of the problem with that is that there's no clear uh, opinion on that. Some people would say person a disa disabled person. Some would say person with disabilities. Uh, I think for me in particular case, I prefer a person with disabilities, but that's just my okay. So person, okay, so I went to pick up a person with disabilities a couple times. Uh, their wife was very you know uh, very you know grateful for this, and. Uh, and he, he like just just him being able to get out and the fact that like a priest was picking him up and I, i'm not trying to pat myself on the back it's not like i did this every week for six years I, I only did it a couple of times or whatever but i just remember you know how happy he was that you know that that the priest was coming to pick him up and take him out you know to lunch and uh once i you know i took him to the uh, to the church so um but yeah it is an issue it is it is a problem and i never would have thought that that would have been something so uh, have you ever heard of that? That it becomes like a liability thing, and that's I've heard that a couple it? times uh, through through some of the talks that I've talked uh, with people I've talked to over the last several years since I started bringing more attention to it. There is definitely that liability component, and that is certainly a stumbling block. Uh, now I'm thankful enough that I do happen to have people within uh, the parish that can give me a ride, but once again, though those issues are few and far between. Not everyone wants to take that risk. Not everyone wants to take that liability. And I, to a degree, I understand, but it does add to a layer of frustration for people like me who don't drive. Uh, it, it makes us, it, it sends the wrong message to me anyway. At it's least that's my. You to be charitable. You yeah. have error on the side of charity. I understand, you know, the, yes, there's everything, everybody's, everyone today is worried about a lawsuit. I get it. OK, I, you know, but we have to err on the side of charity, you know, whatever that looks like. I don't know. So um, but anyway, yeah, th thanks for bringing it up, because I don't think that comes into to people's attention. And you're making me more aware of that, that I myself, I need to do better at being able to give people rides or coordinate rides for others. Yeah. And imagine if if there were volunteers in the parish that are willing to, to do that, uh, a lot of the a lot of the issues that you sometimes run into is that it, it truly is an unrealized need. It's something that people do not uh, take into consideration. And I've certainly gotten that kind of reaction uh, when I bring up the issue with people, uh, especially like on the online stuff that I do. Uh, it is an issue that comes up a lot in my talks and one that usually gets a bit of surprise because you don't think in those terms. And a lot of that comes from of that attitude, which you really need to have in having an open mind and being accepting of those around you, no matter what challenges they face. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask this on the local level, and then I'm going to ask this on the universal level. Um, and, and, you know, there's no right or wrong. I just your opinion, what's subjective. Do you think that the church is doing enough for persons with disabilities I think that we have made great strides, but I think that there's still uh, a long way to go, on, mainly on the national level. I think on the parish by parish level, I think there's always room for improvements. And it's more than just putting in uh, ramps 
for those who have wheelchairs or mobility scooters or mobility issues like myself. Uh, it's more than just putting in bathrooms or making accommodation for the hearing impaired, uh, more than just live stream for those who physically can't leave their house for various medical reasons. It is the attitude. I think the biggest stumbling block to anything related to disability in the church is the attitude. A lot of people don't take these things into consideration or worse, kind of minimize it. They don't think that it's that big of a deal. I've run into situations where where I was told, well, you can just watch Mass on TV. Yeah, but I've got, uh, I'm a very short attention span person, so I need to be there inside the church to be able to focus on what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, and that's one of the nice things I like about choir because that allows me that focus, gives me something to anchor to, and allows me to see where I need to be at. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think no, thanks for saying that. It's more about attitude than just doing things like, okay, we did this, we checked it off the list, you know, we're di we're doing enough. You know, we we put in a ramp, we we're live streaming. But you know, how about like a how about a how about a loving visit? How about a pickup? How about you know uh, a conversation, a lunch? Um, and I'm talking to myself too, trust me. Um, do you have any major do you have because we like to be very honest, this is a messy, holy, messy show. Uh, do you have any like major pet peeves with the church in terms of this issue? Not right now, uh, other than the transportation, other okay. than right. the transportation one is a pet peeve yeah, but, of mine because, as I said, out of all the issues that there is within the church, that's the one that constantly keeps coming up. I remember a couple years ago, well, maybe more years ago than that, uh, season 19. On my project, I was at a disability conference in the Diocese of Saginaw, and I brought the issue up of transportation, and people were like, kind of like stunned. <laughs> really? Now they had a yeah. The disability conference? Yeah, I wasn't even one of the speakers. They were just asking for people to have questions and stuff, so I brought the brought the issue up. And the reason why I brought it up is because I had found out about the conference about a week before it was supposed to take place. Some of the people online found out about it, got the attention of the diocese, and I got invited to come out. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so, so you're, I brought, you're making a difference. So I brought, uh, if it wasn't for the support of my uh, fans and friends on social media, I wouldn't have been able to be there, even though the project is right up my alley. Just, the disability is, is what I talk about. Sure, yeah. Uh, and, and that was for the uh, Season 19 project. Uh, and that's one of the more interesting aspects about my work because each year is a different building. Really? Okay. So let's get into that. All right. So you, 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 you go around, you talk, you're uh, an advocate for persons with disabilities, but you also have this ministry. Please remind me the name again. It's called Lego church project, Lego church project. Let's go. How'd that start? What is, what is it? What is it? And then let's get into the roots of it. The Lego Church Project is where I take about a month and a half, usually starting in February, and I build a giant parish of my own design with full interior out of Lego. And takes cool. me about a month and a half to build. And how often do you do this? I do it once a year. Okay. And uh, any like, where do you, any parish or like what? All freehand, all my own design. All your own design. So you come up with it completely yourself. You're not basing it on someone else's, you know, uh, uh, archetype or, or architecture. 
what I'd like to say is that any place that I've either been to or I've seen pictures of becomes fuel for the creative fires. It can be inspired by that a little bit because I like to try and keep things as realistic as I can. And you, you have to figure this, this project is usually around 47 inches long by 25 inches wide with a height to the tip of the bell tower between 23 and 25 inches. Okay. We're talking this massive construct, uh, which has its own lights. It's got two working bells in it, but it's also a reflection of, of how I see the church, of how I pray about what the church should be. I have over 200 minifigures sitting inside. Uh, in fact, one of the constant comments that I get is, your church is full of people. Well, yes, it is full of people. That's on purpose. It's not a reflection of the past, but rather a prayer for our future. So this is a prayer for you. This is a prayer. Everything I do with this project is rooted in prayer. That's what allows me to do this year after year. Uh, a typical season for me is I build, display, I reach my final display, and then as soon as it comes back, I tear it down and start the process all over again. So 24 years of doing this, 24 different buildings that I've done. And this started off as a child's uh, idea. As a child growing up, I was building these churches. I was, they weren't nearly as elaborate as they are now. But I what started do you, doing. What do you mean you destroy them? When do you destroy them? Usually about the within about two or three hours after it comes back from the final display of the season. Why so quick? Because I'm preparing for the next season. Uh, because at that point, gravity has taken over. Uh, sometimes you get wear and tear on the bricks. But do I mean? Are, are, do you have like a record of every single one that you've ever done? Oh yeah, I've got a record. Uh, I've got a record on my Facebook page, which is on Lego Church Project. Okay. Uh, and I document the entire last several seasons. I've documented the entire build process, start to finish. Really, and we could see that somewhere. Yeah, you can see that uh, on the Facebook page, and sometimes on Twitter. Usually, when I'm starting to work on it, I'll start posting uh, progress photos here and there just to give people an idea of what I'm working on and how I'm doing it. <laughs> all right. So when, when you were, all right. So 24 years ago is when you started this. Yeah. How did you do this? I'm looking, I'm going to look at your, I didn't even know I follow you on Twitter, but now I'm got to look you up on, uh, on Facebook. Are you under the same thing? JM? Yeah, Lego Church, uh, no, under Lego church project. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, all right, so tell us about 24 years ago. Well, what happened was I had a chance to do a, my first public display where I actually turned this from a child growing into adulthood uh, into something a little bit more profound. I start, I went to my first uh, church, uh, which is the uh, prayer community over at uh, Mount Zion, which is in Flushing, Michigan. Okay. Uh, and so I did a display there. People loved it. They encouraged me. Uh, flash forward to, to the season four project. I did my first, uh, I did two displays that year. I went to, I'm trying to think for a second. Uh, yeah, I did Catholic Heritage Museum, which was not, I don't think it's no longer in existence, but that was in the Diocese of Saginaw. And then I did the uh, Christ the Good Shepherd display. We were called St. Helens back in the day, but that was the first time I had taken the project to such a wide audience. And uh, they loved it over there. So flash forward to this year, 
season 24, this will be my 20th year that I brought this. I'll be bringing this project out for Christmas at our home parish. Wow. At my, at my home parish, the parish I grew up in, the parish that I adore. Uh, we're such a welcoming community over there. So to see the development over the last 24 years of each building being its own design, I learn, I grow as I'm building. And what happens is I start praying at the bricks. When I'm laying out that layout, I'm pouring everything into what I'm doing. All my fears, my anxieties, uh, everything that's troubling my heart with all that's going on around us, uh, I put that into the bricks. My my hands become an instrument for prayer, and that's something that I really enjoy. I enjoy the challenge of the build every year. I enjoy not knowing where the, where God's going to take the story. I, I often have a lot of ideas that I want to mess with, ideas that are coming together, but sometimes the Lord will nudge me in a different direction. Wow, man. So I like how you said you pour all your anxiety, all your fears, all your worries into what you're doing, into the bricks. It's, 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 it's not just a hobby. It's a ministry. It's a prayer. Yes. And so do you bring these? Like, you, Did you just say that you're bringing the 24th one to your parish? Like physically you're bringing it there? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll load it up on a coffee cart. Two of us will take it over to a truck and drive it over. And it'll and be this, on display. Does this happen every year? Because I thought you destroyed them right away. Yeah, this happens. Well, this I build. I start the process in in January and February, but okay. the actual season runs all the way to uh, Advent. Oh, so so I'll stay up from Advent to the end of the Christmas season, which is mid January. Got okay. I was under the impression that you you get done building it, you're done building it, and then two hours later you just oh no, no no no. See what I happens is is that sometimes parishes will invite me to come out. Yeah, they've heard about my work, or they've or I was out to a parish last year. They want me to come back. They want to see the differences between the years that that I'm building. I've had a couple parishes where I've been out there a couple times. Uh, All Saints in Bay City. I've been there several times. Uh, there's another parish out in rural Saginaw County that I went to quite frequently. Uh, but out of all the parish displays that I've done, uh, the Christ the Good Shepherd one is the longest one that I've done continuously. And that was even during the pandemic uh, when everything was shut down. As soon as things started opening up, uh, I still brought season 21 to the parish. It was my only display for the year, but I still brought it out. Yeah. Yeah, well, now the, the year that you did uh, during COVID, that you built the church during COVID, uh, did your little Lego Lego figures of people have masks on them? No. <laughs> like I said, a prayer that this thing would uh, end. <laughs> I, 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 had to, I had to go. You're not the first or, person or, to ask. Or, or were, the, were the doors of the church locked? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, I, now, I, see, now, see, what was interesting about, about season 21 is I had been interviewed for the Diocesan Magazine. So you're like a local celebrity over there. A little, I'm like a little bit of a big deal, is what you're saying. No, I, I, I wouldn't consider myself as such. And I think that's part of the unique nature of me is I'm very humble about my work. There are many who love it. There are many who enjoy it. And to a degree, I enjoy the attention that this, that this gives me. But... 
at the end of the day, so long as I am in service to Christ using my talents, that is what's most important to me. Everything that I, everything else that I do, the interviews, the displays, the chance to talk to people, that's just part of the service to me. Uh, I, I mean, I admit I enjoy the attention a little bit, but at the same time, though, I try and remain as humble as I can. Uh, I don't necessarily see myself as a uh, a big name in anything uh, related to, to yes. the church. Yes. <laughs> but no, at the, I'm just messing with you, man. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, though, if I can bring some good to what I do, uh, a classic story is I was over at a parish in St. Louis, Michigan, which is a rural community. Uh, a woman brought her grandson who's got cerebral palsy. She told me that that I gave her hope. Seeing my work, seeing hearing my story, that gave them hope for their child. That's the kind of stuff I live for. Uh, I remember one year... I was doing a vacation Bible school, All Saints, in Bay City. And a lady brought her neighbor who's got severe disabilities. She was bringing him over, looking at the church, and his eyes were just lit up. His eyes. And it's like, wow. Those are the stories that stay with you. Yeah. Uh, the, the elderly person who whose mind is starting to slip a little bit. She looks at the church. She remembers it from a time when the church was full. Those are the things. Uh, I could tell you a couple other a couple other things. I remember the one little girl. I was doing an outdoor display, and she couldn't have been older than about ten. And she was looking around, hovering around, pointing out all the details that she saw from the inside. Because when you figure this thing's got, with all the two hundred figures inside there, there's a lot of things that are in there. <laughs> I mean, I've even got R two D two hiding in there somewhere. And in the church, like, do you have? I mean, I wish we could see one right now. Uh, do you have like an altar? Do you have a sanctuary? Do you have a tabernacle? Do you have I've got a tabernacle? Yeah. I've got a full, I've got an altar. Uh, and in the design process of the church, that's actually one of the first things that gets bricked in. That's one of the first things that I, that the rest of the church will flow around that. Uh, I, I've actually come up with most of the altar design before the rest of the layout is set. <laughs> So, so yeah, I try and keep things as realistic as I can. Uh, one of the other aspects, though, of, of the work with the minifigures is that I've got two power chairs of my own design in there. I've got a handful of wheelchairs now uh, inside the project, uh, including one that's uh, in the choir loft, uh, where I've got a full choir as well because of the fact that I've got so many figures now. <laughs> and I'm always adding to it, replacing parts that wear out and stuff, but... I, I try and keep that positive mind that everyone should be welcome to the church, no matter what challenge you face. I've got service animals in there now, uh, including one with a vest of my own design. So you, you see a lot of that stuff, and that sticks with people. The, the kids may look at it, and it plants a seed in their mind. And that's one of the things I hope for with my, with my work. And, and I'm really appreciative of the fact that people enjoy it. It's what keeps me going, knowing that I can do this, knowing that I'm serving God in some small way, even though my projects are like gigantic and require two people to move them. <laughs> have you been have you been recognized by Lego? 
believe they know of my work, but because it's religion, they tend to uh, shy away from things. Really? Yeah. Really? And that's part of the reason. Imagine there's other people that are doing what you're doing with this. Are there other people building churches and stuff? There are people that are building churches, but not to the degree and to the ministry that I'm doing. Okay. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. Because people, I mean, my, my nephew, my, not my nephew, my cousin, my cousin, uh, Mason, he's like, loves uh, Legos. He's amazing. He just made me this, maybe you saw it on, on uh, my social media. He made me a Lego mosaic from a picture of me and him in Italy. Oh, wow. They, oh, he's incredibly talented. Uh, he, I mean, he's built the um, all the star. I can't think of the Star Wars names. What's the the Millennium Falcon? He's built. He just built so much stuff ever since he was really young. So I hope that he uh, checks out uh, this episode or looks at um, your work, uh, the the visuals of it. Uh, so for people that want to go check out the Facebook, I'm going to put the links into the, in the show notes. But it's Lego Church Project on Facebook. Lego yeah. Church Project on Facebook. And on Twitter, you are where to go? JM. Oh uh, no, John JM Kramer Lego Church Project. So yep. if you type in Lego Church Project, I'm sure you'll come up on Twitter. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure if you type up Lego Church Project John Kramer, you will see a lot of interesting things. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, you have this one for Solanus Casey on his feast day here on Facebook. Yeah, I've actually, there's an interesting story with that photo that, number one, it's currently sitting inside the season 24 project, but it actually started off when the year that he was beatified, which would have been, believe would have been 2017. I was there. I was there in person when he was beatified. So were a couple of my relatives. Uh, I want to try to do something that I've never done on the show yet i just saved the picture and i want to see is there a way for me right here right now to present this let's see here all right keep talking though Please. so anyway the year that he was beatified i included his picture the first time which would have been my season 18 build and i actually included this really late into the process if i'm going to include a candidate for sainthood uh, I usually prefer to have that in planning in the early stages of the build, not midway through it, so I can figure out a decent place for it. Uh, so season 18 was the first time that I had used that photo. I saved it at the end of the season uh, and kept it around. For my 20th year, 20th anniversary, I decided to go ahead and pull it out with a version of the relic cross that they used in the procession and included that in season 20 in a more prominent spot for season 24 because of the uh christ the good shepherd anniversary i wanted to include that photo again uh, i have a particular devotion to him uh he has done a lot for many people as you know uh, he, he is a bit of a legend especially in detroit uh and i growing up my grandmother uh, god rest her soul talked about him a lot why uh, is that? Uh, is that because he was fr close? Yeah, he actually, my, my grandmother on my mom's side actually lived across the street from the monastery. All right, so here it is. I got the picture up. Can you see it? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, that, is, that was the picture box, which I still have, uh, that I created uh, afterward and to, to keep it in a prominent spot in my living room. And the project that you see behind you is uh, season 21. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Wow. 
And uh, why why a special devotion to him other than the fact that your family spoke about him while growing up? You know what? I have just found that his story is a fascinating one. He had all his own challenges with learning, something that I relate to. Okay. Uh, he had his struggles. Uh, as someone who has had learning disabilities, someone who had needed extra training to learn how to drive to even pass school, I can relate to that. I can relate to those struggles. Wow. Uh, I, I admire him for his wisdom and his, his clear love and devotion to the faith. His devotion to God was above all else. He accepted where God was sending him, even if he didn't fully understand that mission. And I, I certainly can relate to that. Mm. You know, as we speak right now, I think that I have something in my wallet. Is this it? From, look at this. I have a relic of uh, Solanus Casey in my wallet right here. This is... Uh, I'm not sure if it's a first class or second class relic, but yeah, I've got, I got one myself. Oh my gosh! Look, it's the same exact thing. Yeah, dude, it w amazing. And it says the last words of Father Sonis Casey is, "I give my soul to Jesus Christ." Wow, I give my soul. Yeah, to and Jesus. I keep. Oh, I this is a piece of a cloth worn by Father Solanus. So I think it's a third class relic, but I could be wrong about that. Now we actually have in our in our family possession a postcard that he wrote to one of my other grandparents. No way. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> right. Believe it believe, believe or not, we have it. On season two. Yeah, <laughs> on uh, part two of, of a holy mess with with Kramer. Sorry, I know you don't like that, but I <laughs> um all right, man. So, so what? So, do you have any like goals yet that you haven't achieved with this that you want to do? Are you content with, you know, just how things are going now? Uh, what, what, what can we plug for you? The greatest challenge that I run into is right now is finding parishes and/or groups to help me out. The reason being is because I don't drive. That adds an extra layer of difficulty when trying to reach to a parish about having me come out. They may not necessarily want to invest the time or the effort needed to make a display happen. And I can get told, you're doing important work. Sorry, but we're not interested. And I actually had that happen. Yeah. Uh, not, not too long ago. So and things cost, my, especially people want to fly you out. It costs money. Well, it's more more along the lines of staying relatively within between the Saginaw and Lansing diocese, which I'm close to. Uh, I often say that I will go where the Lord is willing to send me, even if I can't figure out how. <laughs> uh, and that's certainly true of a lot of these cases. Uh, last year, I went up to about an hour away from me uh, in Gladwin and Harrison, had a wonderful time up there uh, talking to the people over there uh, with my work. In fact, there's a YouTube video of, of that uh, presentation I gave, uh, Disability in Lego. Uh, so there's always a lot of those on YouTube disability yeah. and Lego on yeah. YouTube. Awesome. Yeah, if you search if you search my name on YouTube, you will find a lot of videos. <laughs> if you have more subscribers than me, I'm going to be really upset right now. Okay. No, actually, I'm probably been in more videos than number of subscribers that I'm I have. Kidding, videos on my own I'm kidding, dude. <laughs> I mean, everybody no. knows I'm very prideful, though. Okay, but, but you know, the, the challenge though is that for me. Uh, Trying to find a parish that is willing to host me, making it happen, uh, just trying to reach out to the right people. 
my ideally for me for to be able to do this, I need would like to have about five displays. That would just be icing on the cake for me. But sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. It's all in the hands of God. Uh, so long as I can keep doing this, that's what matters to me. And so long as people are enjoying uh, my ministry, they're learning, and they're getting hope from what I'm doing. Uh, there's been many times over the years where I've been, where I've had people come up to me and tell me that, that they've inspired me, that I've inspired them. Uh, their kids are building stuff now with Legos. So there's always that fun aspect of it. Uh, not too long ago, apparently, uh, someone who has seen my work uh, found my girlfriend at her job and told her that she really loved my work. So I really well, would you be open if, like, let's just say, uh, let's, listen, I do not have thousands of listeners, but let's just say somebody's like, yeah, you know what? We'd love to have him come out. And they were willing to, like, fly you out to their parish. Is that something that you'd be open to? Probably would have to be driven because of the fact that the project is very big. Ah, uh, got so, it. So, so to be able to to be able to take the project out, and that's one of the see the nice thing about it is is that the project is reasonably sturdy. It can survive an hour long trip in the back of a truck to wherever we're going at the time. Uh, that's happened numerous times. There have been very few mishaps. And most of the times that they are, they can be easily fixed. In yeah. fact, in fact, in those cases, the people are usually my hosts are usually more concerned about it than I am. Yeah, sure, definitely. Like I think one year come, I think season twenty came back from one parish, and the bell tower had been smashed, and I had it fixed within twenty minutes. And the only reason why it got smashed is because I didn't design it properly. Okay. <laughs> but I think that even if like you it, like if you somebody wanted to fly you across the country, if you had like a great PowerPoint and you were still there, I think you could still do a lot of great catechesis and evangelization. You know, um, do you teach about the faith while you're going over this, especially like to children? Well, I talk to them about what's going on with me and I allow them to ask questions. OK, I, I, kids are very inquisitive. They want to know everything about what's going on. So if they're seeing this giant church out of Lego bricks, they want to know how did it get built? What's the story with the builder? Why is he here? Uh, they asked, when I did the uh, faith formation over at um, over Midland last year, the kids asked a lot of questions and a lot of good ones. They were really, really impressed with not only the building, but the parents were also impressed with the story. Mm. They, they realized that there is great learning in what I'm doing. And that's something I take to heart. Uh, I'm very happy with how people react, but I also know that I have a way to reach people that uh, may not always be uh, reachable. I often, I've often said numerous times that my project opens doors to conversations. How, how, how long are your presentations? It depends. It really kind of depends. Sometimes I will give a five minute talk, uh, uh, before or after Mass, uh, just a quick introduction, brief explanation of what I'm doing and why I'm there. Sometimes I'll do a half-hour question and answer uh, with with both kids and adults. Uh, sometimes the best way to learn is just to ask the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a great opportunity for you, you know, uh, especially – and not just for kids because the kids aren't the only people that like Legos, but I think it's a beautiful way of – of catechesis too. Yes, you know, talking about yourself for sure, but you know, like 
because a lot of people, they don't even know, like, I, I remember I used to give tours for the CCD kids of my church, and, like, they want to know, like, well, what is a tabernacle, or what exactly is the altar, or what's the purpose of this? And the great thing is, like, you could do this just with your 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 projects, just with your, your seasons, your Legos. You could teach about the church and what goes on in the church within that. I think that's a, an amazing thing. I think it's a great opportunity and, and a lot of... Uh, potential man so god bless you for for what you're doing and um you know for just being uh, who you are and uh for your ministry so thank you anything well, else go ahead one other story i want to share with you because i think it's going to be kind of give you an idea of my mindset do you see the photo on, on my twitter feed uh and i think it's on my facebook of me holding that giant roof cross yep that roof cross has been rebuilt multiple times, and it is very sturdy. It's actually survived a fall from table height onto the ground, no damage to it. And I think it kind of is a good reflection of the fact that when we're kind of divided amongst ourselves, we fall apart. And yet, when we're solid together in the faith, God can do amazing things for us. Mm. The picture's up uh, on display right now. Uh, so that, wow. Yeah, and that, you, that reminds me of a quote. I'm not exactly sure who said this. Maybe St. Irenaeus. Saint Irenaeus uh, but it reminds me of the quote that when the entire world is shook, the cross of Christ stands firm. When the entire world is shook, the cross of Christ stands firm. That sounds about right. Amen. So, all right, well, listen, we'll put, you know, we'll talk uh, once we go offline. I'll get, like, the proper links that you want me to put on here and everything and how people uh, could reach you. Um, anything else that we didn't cover that we should cover before we, uh, before we sign off? I just want to say thank you for having me on your program. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad that this happened and uh, I can't wait for people uh, to hear about it and especially to see about uh, to see it because hearing about it is one thing, but seeing what I'm seeing here right now on your Facebook page is completely another. So listen, man, thank you so much. God bless you. And listen, please support John. Please support his ministry. Please let other people know about it. Follow him on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, share the pictures with other people. There needs to be a, a look. There's a lot of creativity in this world, but not everybody uh, is doing really creative, beautiful things for Christ and for his church. Yes, there are some, but not enough. So uh, let's keep it going. Let's get, uh, I think Father Mike, Mike Schmidt said something very recently about, you know, getting back into the game. We need to get into the game. So listen, John J.M. Kramer, thanks for being here. God bless you. Thank you, Holy Messes. Check out the show notes. Peace in the Middle East. God bless. Thank you for joining me for another episode of A Holy Mess Podcast. Please see the show notes in the description for this episode for more details and information about the topic and or the guest. You will find links and resources there to supplement this episode and help you along your messy but holy journey. Please also like, comment, subscribe, download, rate, review, and share all episodes. I want to thank Mike Mangione for providing me with the podcast theme song, Can You Love Me Falling, from his album Red-Winged Blackbird Man. 
Finally, please note that while me, I, whatever the grammar is, Father Paul Hulis, while I am a priest for the Archdiocese of Newark, a holy mess with his holy mess podcast is not affiliated with the Archdiocese of Newark in any way, including fundraising efforts. This podcast is purely the personal hobby, product, and evangelization effort of Father Paul Hulis. Please join us again next time for another holy mess of an episode. Peace! Oh,